trigger warning for this podcast may contain explicit sexual material, unlike every other episode we've ever done. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Nerd Nostalgia Podcast. In today's episode, I finally convinced one of the guys to do a solo episode. Jesus, it's only been two years. But with that being said, enjoy Brian giving you his thoughts on the latest Matrix movie. As always, head over to Apple Podcasts, drop that five-star, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about us. There's going to be no clip today, so enjoy the intro song, and of course, stay nerdy, my friends. This is my all-spoiler review of The Matrix Resurrections. If you want to watch the movie spoiler-free, go ahead and skip to the end of this review, hit that like and subscribe button, and come back whenever you've seen the movie. I can't really talk about The Matrix 4 without, first of all, reflecting on the original three. The first Matrix movie especially takes up such a big place in my childhood memory palace. It was the year 2000. I was way too young to be watching this R-rated movie. I was over at a friend's house. He had a copy of the VHS and very absentee parents. I remember watching the movie from his top bunk and my mind was utterly exploding. It was the distant future of 1999. Thomas Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, discovered that he is living in a computer simulation called The Matrix. The Matrix is a make-believe daycare that our robot overlords plopped humans into for vague slavery reasons that had to do with energy production. Neo joined with a group of humans who had escaped from the Matrix. Their job was to sneak back into the Matrix in order to free more people from robo-slavery. Neo learned Kung Fu, pew-pew-pewed a few robots, and ultimately proved that he was paradoxically the chosen one of destiny, and also that he had free will. A few years later, the Matrix sequel movies came out, and they were just terrible. Neo and his buddies were still fighting the robots. They had discovered a MacGuffin that could end the robot-human war. The plot happened along until they found the MacGuffin, but it turned out to be a very boring exposition robot. According to Expozabot, the Matrix was so good at controlling humans because it anticipated that we would rebel, and it baked that rebellion into its very system of control. It knew what we were going to do before we did it. Anyway... Neo ignores the MacGuffin Expozabot, pew pew pews some more robots, and then dies. Somehow his death teaches the robots and humans how to live in peace. The compromise turned out to be that they would continue slavery, but do a little bit less slavery. That always seemed to me to be a solution in search of way more problems, but that was then. Also, Neo was like a Christ metaphor. For the past 20 years, I would go back to these movies, but really just the first one, and rewatch the fight scenes, quote dialogue ad nauseum, and I'd imagine what cool leather jacket or sunglasses I would wear if I was to join Neo's fight. But that was then. On to the Matrix 4. The year is now about 20 or 60 years later. Neo thinks that he's Thomas Anderson again. He works as a game designer and gets medicated on blue pills and generally just kind of wonders why life sucks. The video game that he's famous for developing is also called The Matrix, and it's also a trilogy. 
Neo now has a therapist whose name is Neil Patrick Harris, and he works with his arch nemesis, Agent Smith, from the first movie. Somehow, Neo is so good at video game programming that he's writing code for the Matrix itself. Yes, he's programming Matrix code while living inside the robot daycare. It's all very, very meta. But is it too meta? Yes, 100%. Act 1 of The Matrix 4 is self-referential in two big ways. First, the plot is telling Neo to write a new game for The Matrix, which will also be called The Matrix 4. It's at this point that his co-workers start debating what The Matrix games were really about. Pew, pew, pew! Explosions, cyber Buddhism, or trans-person anarcho-futurism. It is, in essence, the director putting the prior trilogy's critics, movie executives, all on display and telling them that they just don't get it. Next, Act 1 also shows Neo's daily grind as a burned-out corporate goon, which is then stitched in with clips from the first three movies. As he's plodding along, trying to write his next Matrix game, he's seeing echoes, or deja vu, of the first trilogy everywhere. It's literally just clips from the original movie mirroring clips from his current life. Anyway, Act 2. Neo's dream of Morpheus comes to life, frees Neo from the Matrix again. It's very, very reminiscent of the first movie. Neo learns that Zion is now Io, robots and humans are kind of friends, and Jada Pinkett Smith is hella old. Really, the biggest revelation that Neo has in the real world is that the robots are way better at keeping human brains enslaved, and humans basically don't care about freeing them anymore. Basically, the piece that Neo left everyone with 20 to 60 years ago is pretty actually pretty, pretty good. It, it held up really well, much to my surprise. Neo also kind of learns that he was cloned or brought back to life or something. Also, Trinity was too. That's his girlfriend from the first three movies. That's when the plot tells Neo that he's got to go back into the Matrix in order to save Trinity. Neo and his friends fight in a warehouse against Agent Smith. The Merovingian's there, and he looks kind of homeless and deranged, and he talks about how Facebook sucks and that kids should get off his lawn. And it's finally revealed that Neil Patrick Harris was the bad guy the entire time. Also, Neo and Smith become best friends. Somehow, Neil Patrick Harris was able to make the Matrix better, keeping people plugged in, keeping them enslaved, by punching up the envy and angry meters by about a factor of 10. Blah, 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 Neo saves Trinity, or they save each other. There's a final showdown between Trinity, Neo, and Neil Patrick Harris, and everyone realizes that the fifth element was love all along. Neo and Trinity vow that they will continue to free people's minds through the power of love. And that's it. That's how the movie ends. Oh, they talk about making rainbows in the sky. But was the movie good? That's the question I've been mulling over since I watched it about a week ago. I watched it at HBO Max in my own comfort of my own home. And I've been dealing with that question, trying to figure out, did I, did I like it? Would I recommend it? This is where I have to go back to my comparisons to the original trilogy, since it also referenced the original trilogy so much. The first trilogy was so groundbreaking in its action, its visual effects. It borrowed from multiple genres and art styles. It made interesting choices, like putting a hue of green over the simulation and a hue of blue over the real world. It gave us popular bullet time, which was then promptly parodied and permeated the culture for so long. 
But in The Matrix 4, the visual effects are just subpar. Whereas in the first one, the CGI was groundbreaking for being seamless. It was integrated perfectly into the movie. That's just the landscape today. So there's really no ground it could tread that was new. But even ignoring the CGI as just being a feature of the new movie, there was really no visual set pieces that were so stunning to me that burned into my mind the way I remember the original lobby shooting spree from the first movie, or Neo leaping out of the helicopter in order to hug Morpheus. There was no visual from the Matrix 4 that I I remember so distinctly. Another feat about the first movie was how timeless it felt. The plot of the first movie was really simple. A chosen one is recruited to take down an overwhelming enemy, and he does so. It was elegant, almost elemental in its simplicity. And though technology dates the first Matrix, the phones are a little clunky, the monitors are huge, there's nothing about the plot, story, or characters that was particularly late 1990s. Nothing about it was a time-sensitive message that gets lost in translation. Here, though, the Matrix 4 seems mired in the specific problems of the last decade or two. Neil Patrick Harris as a villain who embodies social media, how there's this newer, flashier system of control that pushes every one of us into a happy servitude. He explains how his whole master plan, his perfected matrix, is built on exploiting people's responses to envy and outrage. That just sounds like people's social media feed. The Matrix 4 also takes aim at nostalgia as the younger, hotter Morpheus tells Neo that nothing comforts anxiety like a little nostalgia. This message seems really directed at cinema's 15-year love affair with reboots, soft reboots, sequels, or other franchise resurrections. This messaging makes the movie seem more timely, which I'm fine with, but I worry that in 20 years, it won't age as well as the original did that lightning in a bottle. Finally, I really did fall in love with the first trilogy as movies that were bursting with ideas. These were movies that were interested in that tension between free will and destiny. They asked questions about the nature of reality, whether we could even tell the difference between a dream world and the real world, and which one we'd rather live in. The Matrix movies have always been about, among other things, our mission to resist those systems that control our lives. In the movies, the system was just that, the Matrix. It was that evil robot simulation that enslaved humanity. In real life, that system of control is more like that vague, unspeakable frustration you get when you realize your cell phone company sucks. So you call customer service to complain, but then you're on hold for 30 minutes or an hour only to find out that you called the wrong department. So no one can solve your problem or answer your question. And you want to cancel your contract, switch to a different company, But then you realize that there's only two cell phone companies, and they're all identical, and they all suck. The system here is just the anxiety of living in complex society and wanting to find someone or some group of people to blame for our problems. But what is the Matrix Resurrections about? What are the ideas it plays with? The idea it seems most interested in is that question of legacy. How was the original trilogy received, interpreted, abused by its audience. Part of that legacy is the failure of freeing people from these very systems of control. I mean, if people were enslaved by oppressive societal complexity back in 1999, they are much more so now, aren't they? 
To borrow a cliche, we are living in a society now that's increasingly connected by social media, but that feels incredibly disconnected and alienating. In, in The Matrix Resurrections, that problem, Neo and Trinity give a radical solution, which is simply to love each other. Looking back, I really don't mean to trivialize how the fifth element is love, how that is the answer in this movie. It truly is, I think, a radical answer that the way forward, the way through this complex, frustrating, seemingly dominating society that we live in is simply to love one another. It is really trite. It is really sentimental. And the movie leans into that. It says, yes, that's exactly what we need in a world that is cynical and also yearning for one thing, which is just to be comfortable, just to be lured by nostalgia. The movie gives us nostalgia, but it it makes it kind of uncomfortable for us. It gives us something that we're familiar with, but then tilts it just enough degrees to make it seem unnatural, wrong. And it asks us to love it all the same. Was The Matrix Resurrections a perfect movie? No. I sit here and I think, well, shit, how did Zion get all the way to Io? Why did it take the humans 60 years to realize that Neo is hiding out, living under his exact same name, whose life work was literally an autobiographical video game called The Matrix that contained details about only his life that only he could have known? The movie has flaws. The movie did not blow my mind the way the original did. But something that I liked about this movie that I don't think we get enough in movies these days is that it, it's something to wrestle with. It's something that I'm going to have to chew on for a while. And I like that challenge. I like that it's something that I want to come back to, revisit, not just because it was comfortable, not because it's a popcorn movie, but because it has inspired me to think. It's inspired me to work out my feelings in this movie. It took me so long to write this review, not because the plot was particularly complicated, I mean, it wasn't simple, but because it's something that I cared about, and I want to care about this movie. I want to care about other movies the way I did this one. If you've made it to the end of this review, I would recommend watching it if you haven't already. If you've already watched it and you thought it sucked, go back and watch it again and wonder what this movie has asked you to think about. What has it asked you to imagine? That's it. Go watch The Matrix 4.